Video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and Truth to Power on YouTube. I initially wanted to do a series of interviews on heterosexism and homophobia because my oldest son came home and he was talking about all the hateful things that he's been hearing at school on video games and just comments about people being anti-gay, being homophobic, basically. Um, I mean, I was clear what was expected in our house that that's not going to fly, that uh, we don't judge people because of their sexual orientation, that there are too many people in our family that we love and our lives that we love um, that are on the spectrum that like that's just not okay. So he was clear that he was not allowed to participate, but he was left wondering like, what do I, what do I do? What do I say? And so I had a conversation with him about, you know, things he could say in response. And then we had a larger conversation about where homophobia comes from, heterosexism, basically, the system of heteronormity, heteronormativity, that it's to be a man and a woman together and um, that that's the way and that's the norm. And so I wanted to make clear to him that it wasn't just like he was expected to be kind to people, but that there is a system set up that uh, privileges him as he now identifies as as heterosexual, and that he needed to be mindful of that and the power that he has, and the way in the the way the system has denigrated people who identify as LGBTQ. So all that to say, here I am, a cis cishet woman, like cisgendered, in that I present as the gender that uh, I identify with and that people perceive me as, and heterosexual. And I'm I like, do I know what I'm talking about? Am I missing something? So I said, well, why don't I think about the people that I know in my life, trust, and uh, get their perspective, people who do identify and who have the lived experience. And so uh, here we are today. And today I'm joined by Alexis Templeton. And I really appreciate you for joining me. And I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Yes. Thank you for having me. So uh, you've heard some of that story, but... Just in, in general, when you hear that, like, what did I miss? What what do you think about my approach? What would you tell me to do different or better? That's a good question. What would I tell you to do different or better? Um, I don't think I would tell you to do anything <laughs> different or better because it's you. <laughs> Every parents don't always go about those conversations right. But I think they're like always um, trying to be as explicit as possible with kids is super important. Um, and like getting to the point. Like, you know, running around like, oh, we kind of, like, well, we should say things look like just like straight getting to the point with kids, like because they understand it um, and they're able to implement it differently than I think we are as adults because we're socialized, we're, we're more ingrained into our socialization than they are. Um, and so I think being explicit is able to to shift that a little bit like immediately. I mean, I, I think there are times where he feels like, oh, mom, you're so sensitive because there's, he knows there's certain words we don't say, and not just around sexual orientation, but just in general. Like I have rules around that language matters, and that we don't use certain terms. And even you know within our household, there are some people who are more okay with certain terms than I am. And so, uh, what would you what would you say? Like, was I being too hard to say like this is not okay? We don't do this. I felt like to leave any gray room would be to allow for like the heteronormativity to, to have more space. And I want to make sure that he's clear, but I also, I don't know, like, is that coming on too harsh or do I not need to worry about that? Cause that's people's humanity. 
you know, I've, I feel, I feel, okay, I'm on, I have two sides of the coin. So on one end, it's like he's a kid and to push him to like have to stand up in those moments all the time can be a little, can be, can be mad uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable for us as adults, don't get me wrong, but as a kid, it's like a different level of like bravery, especially when at that time, everything your peers have got going on is super important to you, you know? So that's a lot, that's a lot, that's a lot of pressure to take on, especially like in a social setting with peers. Um, but on the other end, um, I think that even if, even if the child doesn't say anything in that moment, I think, I think at some point you will, because you hear it so much at home that that's not what we say. And you're also explaining why it's not okay to say it. And then connecting it to people they may know in real life and be like, oh, okay. So I wouldn't say that around so-and-so, you know, when you're in that social setting and something happens at some point, you are like, mm, that ain't necessarily it. <laughs> you know, even if it's like, not like a, hey, like chill the, chill the F out or like getting like upright, like upright wrong with people, you know, or like um, confrontational rather. Um, but definitely just like on some like, uh, that's at home. That's not what we say. Or my mom said this. Um, and I think that's those, I think those are the important moments. Mm. And I think that can happen whether he's like, you're being too sensitive or not. Like he still hears you. And so and I don't think you did anything wrong. And I don't think you're being too harsh because I think it sits and I think it brews with kids mm -hmm. um, and it, and it shows in different ways and it comes out in different ways. So I think what you're doing is important. I, tr I mean, I sure do try, but I feel like I'm fighting so many battles, right? Oh, yeah. Like he's like, Oh, my mom that he, he said at school, people are like your mom's too health conscious. Your mom's right. Cause he, he, they know what he brings in his lunch or what he doesn't. So there's like all this scrutiny <laughs> on my parenting from these middle schoolers. <laughs> I'm holding all the blame. And, uh, but I just don't want him. I, I would much rather not that I would let him bring whatever crap just in his lunch all the time but i'd much rather make concessions there than like let him think it's okay to 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 make fun of people for who they are for just the essence of who they are so i mean let's back up a little bit if you don't mind sharing how do you identify um so i gender i identify as a gender non-conforming person um i'm masculine presenting so some people would put me under trans masculine um which i'm not necessarily against um like being put in that in that label um but i don't identify as trans masculine i go by they them pronouns mm -hmm. yeah i was just reading the other day that people were saying that if someone doesn't if someone identifies as a gender to not put trans in front of the gender oh right no point right yeah i think like and like Yes, I think, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that um, in some in some contexts, we do need to put trans in front of things, especially when we're talking about the amount of trans women being murdered and yes. how that's different from cis women. I think those 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 descriptors are important, but to just like I don't think we always have to say someone is trans um, when we're also recognizing that a woman, like a trans woman, is a woman. So it's okay to call them a woman, and we should, and that's what we should normalize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's a, is there a dance that has to be done? Cause I feel like you don't want to make someone's sexual orientation or gender identity, all of who they are, right? Like you don't want to assume that that is what they want to lead with or essential. But like you said, there are times when we're talking about disparities, it needs to be highlighted. Absolutely. But how do you do that, do that dance even within yourself of like, am I leading with this? How do I want to lead with it? When do I want to? I think it's always about, um, I think holding myself accountable is by calling somebody else or um, if not calling somebody else. I look on Twitter, um, I look through threads and I think threads teach you a lot. 
Um, like I, 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 I live by Twitter threads when it comes to talking about gender, when it comes to talking about race and sexuality, um, sexual assault, like I live by those threads versus like what I'm going to read when I go to class. Um, and I'd rather reference threads <laughs> in, in papers, but yes, Twitter will like really let you know what is not okay and what is without having to call somebody or feeling like you're putting the burden on a trans person to, to answer these questions for you. Just like how we don't want to put the burden on black people to answer our questions about racism. Um, and so I definitely just say use the internet because you can. And the search feature on Twitter is phenomenal. So, yeah. well, and, you know, you're you're so right because in academia we're behind. So behind. We're so behind. So behind. And people who are living like we seek to understand the experience of people, but by the time we think to seek to understand, then we collect the data, yep. we analyze it, we <laughs> yep. write it up, we submit it for publication. It's published. This is like two, three, four, five yes. years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes, I completely agree with that. Um, I think I go to class sometimes and I'm just like, we don't say this term anymore <laughs> specifically. Like, like I'm in a, Yeah, give me an example. So I'm in an anthropology class right now. Um, and I'm also in an Africana study class right now. But on Twitter, a long time ago, I learned that like the science, the theory behind why primitive is such is why, why we don't use the word primitive. But I'm in the anthropology class with this old cis white woman anthropologist who uses primitive in her language and in anthropology the discipline that makes sense right and then I'm in Africana studies and they're like you know that shit's racist or that's racist <laughs> and so like um but I learned that from Twitter first mm. but like I think that's how um like yeah I think I think I think Twitter will catch you up and then you get into the classroom and it's like oh yeah we don't do it that way anymore we're decades, we're yeah. decades <laughs> that's or, offensive now right or third world yes yeah. yes yes yeah. yes third world is um in anthropology too that's another terrible phrase yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about your gender identity your sexual orientation but like what other part of your identities intersect to to influence how you present in the world and how you want people to understand you? Uh, I think I've gotten to a point where like, I think I've gotten to a point where I realized people are going to identify me how they want to. Mm. Um, and so I really struggle with even using they, them pronouns because I get so exhausted, like explaining to people or people or rather people like feeling it gets awkward because people say the wrong pronoun. And then it's like, they don't know how to really correct it or what to do because they're kind of being offensive, but they don't know how to handle it. And so then it's just awkward. And I don't like that. That's exhausting when it's like, I'm comfortable in myself to know that like, I just don't feel like a man or a woman. And so you're going to call me whatever you want. And that's cool. Um, I think I like really don't like being called he, him. I think that kind of bothers me, but in some moments I understand why it happens and I'm just like, whatever. Um, so I say all that to say, it's just like, I think that like, I think we're socialized into genders anyway. And and because we haven't unlearned that, I'm already socialized into a gender. I'm already socialized into certain categories. And so I just kind of take all of them on. And it just is what it is because the the world, unfortunately, has made up my identities and who I am. And I don't know. I feel like I can do something different rather than being like trying to change it or shift it rather than just take it on and be like, well, okay, this is how I identify you can, this is how, I know this is how you see things because mm -hmm. this is how we're socialized to be. And it's just kind of whatever. So I kind of just had like a, a very, like, I don't even want to say a stalemate, but just like at peace with it a little, um, to like, not always be like they, them pronouns. And it's okay to say they, and, um, they can be used in singular versus, <laughs> versus like, like, that's annoying. I don't want to do that with you all the time. That's exhausting. And so I'd rather just like know for myself, um, I, I know what's going on with me. 
And mm-hmm. I get that we ain't there yet in the world for you to know. And so I'm good. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I I I guess I want us to catch up and be there. Oh, for I, you. that'd be fantastic. It'd be phenomenal. <laughs> it'd be mad. It'd be super it'd be super comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just thinking about like what uh what I need to do as a parent and what we need to do as adults who are cultivating kids to have an equity mindset to be able to to be that. Yeah. I I, re- I do. I think a lot about that. And so I've been trying to think, okay, how do I how do I point out uh hom- homophobia it seems to come up a lot, but like how do I point out the system, the heterosexism, the heteronormativity? Um that sometimes is harder cuz like a fish in water you don't know you're wet, right? It's just around us so much. Uh so do you have any examples of where uh, where you were like, "Ooh, I yeah, that that I think connecting, I think connecting like everyday, like everyday moments to systems is, um, can be super important. So my example would be, um, when kids go to school and say stuff like that's so gay. Um, and then you see Trump, um, like you see that now transgender folks are banned from being in the military. And I think that's a way of connecting how the, the individual things we say have such a big impact in ways we don't even really know, we aren't even really conscious of. And that's how you connect it to the system. And then you can like, kids are, kids are smart. Like I think we downplay kids' intelligence. And so showing news articles and being like, um, being like, well, because you heard this is so gay, that comes from that comes from homophobia and homophobia is, is compound comes from heterosexism and heterosexism is, is displayed all throughout the world. And because we're homophobic, we're also queerphobic, queerphobic is under there and transphobic. And here's how transphobia shows up in the system. And I think that like, you know, like, obviously you have to like take your time and explain that to kids, but I think that they can get it and they can make those connections and be like, okay, I see why it's bad. I didn't think you might still be doing a lot, but I also see why it's bad. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's impactful. Um, and I think that's I think that's making a step. Like I just think it is. I think that's good enough um, with kids. Um, yes. Yeah. No. I and I I hear you. It's sometimes you just you want to be you want to be doing more and pushing faster. Oh. And I mean, I know at one point you were even thinking military. Yeah, how I did, was. Yeah? yeah. How how did that ruling, the recent shift in policy, did it change your thinking? No, it didn't. Because really? I'm rebellious automatically. And so I'm going to go in and be whoever I'm going to be anyway. And like, if you don't like it, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it just is what it is. Um, but I I also I follow folks on Twitter who are trans and who are in the military. And so to watch their reactions of how that impacts them and how that makes them feel. Um, and being like, do we, so we only care, we care about veterans, but we don't care about the trans veterans. You know what I'm saying? And how do you know how many trans folks have came before us, have gotten purple hearts that we just don't know? And like, that's real as hell. Like, so, so not really thinking about how it impacts me because I see it along, I don't, I don't really see it as, it wouldn't be transphobia for me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't experience it in the way that a trans person is going to experience it. Like I would experience homophobia. And so it's not really my place to say. Um, it's just fucked up mm. and it's scary because you think about, okay, well, if they, if they're not rocking with trans folks, what's it going to mean to be, to be queer in the military? Um, but it's just like, I think about that when I want to go out of the country, like what's it, what's it going to be like to be queer in Africa <laughs> to be specific in any part of Africa that I travel to, what is it going to be like to be queer? Um, traveling to, to Paris, even being black and queer, like, what is that going to be like? And so I already think about those things wherever I go. And so to see 
to see that happen with the military is just like like you know it's just another place mm -hmm. um and it sucks and like but it's not like harmful or anything anymore it's just like okay bro like now i got to feel figure out how to survive here and that's trash i got to think about it before i get there before i commit myself i have to think about this extra step that other people don't have to think about and that's shitty and for what like it's really not bothering you or it's really not messing up nothing you got going on and i'm going to look better in the uniform than everybody else you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, right. So it's impacted how you move through the world. It sounds yes. like that homophobia has kept you. Has have you been to the to the to the motherland, to the continent? No, I won't go. You won't. No, I won't. You're I assuming won't that you won't. I'm assuming that I won't. won't. I have not gone. That's what I'm saying. And I haven't gone because I read stories about corrective rape oh. and how they chase down lesbians. And they raped them. Which country? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I think that it was framed how we frame Africa and not thinking about Africa as a continent with countries yeah. and just framing it as Africa. So there's also that mixed in there. So I don't. Some I don't anti blackness even, about just, just saying yes, all black just people saying are all black people on in the Africa. continent. Everybody in Africa is doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so that that impacts it a lot too. So I have to own that. But also, it's a lot of research on where I got to go to figure out if they have corrective rape cases there. If What if none have been reported? Like, that's uncomfortable to think about. Um, and then to want to know that, like, I wouldn't want to travel alone, so I would probably have my lady or whomever. You know what I'm saying? And, like, what type of situation and danger is that going to put them in? And that's a lot. So now I'm good. I'll be in America where I know y'all racist. I know y'all homophobic. But I know the laws well enough to know how I can maneuver around that. Um, yeah, that makes me think about James Baldwin. He got locked up in Paris. Did he? He got locked up in Paris for stealing bed sheets from a hotel. They locked people up for that in his time for that. So he went to jail for that, and he wrote about it when he got out. And he was thinking about um, talking, just thinking through like how he, he so he would rather be in jail at home in, in shitty America because at least there he knows. I know, I know to the extent of what people are gonna go and what I'm gonna face. But here, I don't know nothing. So he was in Paris. Paris, And yes. he was in a relationship with another man. And so they arrested under the guise of stealing bedsheets or he- Under the guise. Somebody took a bedsheet and he got blamed for it. He ended up getting arrested for it. That's how I remember the story. But he was probably targeted because he was gay. Yes. Not even, I don't know. Oh. I don't even know. He doesn't write like that. James Baldwin doesn't doesn't oh, write really? like that. No, James Baldwin doesn't write like that at all. James Phobia, I mean, James Baldwin is is really- really interesting in talking about homosexuality and homophobia. So he, it's not clear how he identified? No, he's gay. I thought so. Okay, James okay. Baldwin is gay. I just want to make sure I wasn't but wrong he, in my but history. He's very strategic in how he talks about being gay and how oh. I think about it and similar and how we will understand is how we look at how DeRay strategically talks, talked about being gay. Interesting. Um, and and as as a survival tactic, right. as like- Calculated. As wanting to be, as 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 establishing yourself as a leader- um, as establishing yourself as a leader um, or trying to establish yourself as a leader and what your sexuality means around that, especially as a black man. So, like, you know, I see it like that. And I see that as Jane Baldwin wanted to be as um, politically active, like in black liberation movements, especially around the time of like um, black power starting to kick off because he got into it with Eldridge Cleaver. And I and like when you think about those folks, those those folks that argued or with James Baldwin or did not like James Baldwin. Um, and Carnell talks, Cornell West talks about it in an interview. It's on YouTube. But basically, like, nobody ever thinks to say, well, James Baldwin was saying all tight stuff. Like, we love James Baldwin. 
but y'all didn't rock with James Baldwin because James Baldwin was gay. And so like, we don't really get the, inter- we don't really get the intersection of what it was like for James Baldwin to be gay and also be this prominent writer. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He doesn't talk about that. And I don't think he was able to see it at that time because we just didn't have the language for real then. We just right. knew that like, this the way stuff was. And that might've been the, even though he was, like you said, being marginalized to some extent, that might've been the nail on the coffin to totally erase him. Yeah. If he were to be so out. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Even yeah. one book that he was coming out with that um he's that he's talking about homosexuality and he was like greatly advised not to put it out. He put it out anyway. I can't think of the book, but he put it out anyway. And he was like, whatever. If it's gonna do whatever to my career, then it's gonna do whatever so, to my career. And he put it out anyway. And so I think like I think he has his moments, you know, where he's like, I'm going against the homophobia, but I also think he had a lot of internalized homophobia too. And that actually is a perfect segue, not like it's a great thing, <laughs> but a segue to talk about internalized homophobia, sure. which I would say is kind of like appropriated. You pick up the negative messages and ideas about what it means to be gay. How has that showed up for you? Um, I think it really impacts how I move through the world when I'm in a when I'm in a relationship. Hmm. Um, because I think that like because people like I identify as a dyke and a dyke is the kind of the, the historical definition for the term is like a masculine is a masculine is a masculine centered woman. Um that's how that's who you call a butch or a dyke. Um and so I think that folks have reclaimed that, especially black folks, black, 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 black masculine centered women have reclaimed that to be like I'm a dyke. Um but uh there was a time when it wasn't claimed and no, it was, seen it was as, no, that was that was a derogatory term. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, so just for a, folks who might not understand, like there was a time oh, yeah. when yeah, that, that was, was a it was reclaimed in the sense that it was used to hurt and harm. Exactly. And right. so it's also just it's how we think about how folks re, how it's how we think about how folks have how black folks have reclaimed nigga. Mm-hmm. Um as in we can say it and y'all can't. And right. so folks have reclaimed dyke in that way. Um and so I think that like um I'm masculine and so people expect me to do certain things because I'm masculine. Um, or it's just assume like like dudes like people on Twitter be like, You you wanna be a man's dykes wanna be men so bad. Nah, when they help like when you help and move and put the lamp down and pick up the dresser or something like that. And it's like, so now I feel like I gotta be strong enough to pick up this dresser. Mm. <laughs> and then you and then because I take that on myself, I expect that of other masculine centered women. Mm. And so I think that's how I internalize homophobia as well too. Um, that's that's one way I internalize homophobia and, and gender roles and everything. I take mm-hmm. on all that in my relationship, and I think that's internalized homophobia. It's in it's in our internalized heteronormativity. If that's like you know what I'm saying, like that's yeah. just what we're ingrained to do. And um, yeah, so I think that's how it shows up a lot when I'm in relationships. Um, and I have to check that how I go work through it is I just check it and I'm like, do I like doing this? And is this an, like if it's an okay gender role that I like doing, then I'm gonna do it. But is it just something that I feel like I'm forced to do? Um, and I think that's how I check myself. Um, like are these expectations that society has of me that I want to pick up? Yes. Or uh, no, I want to put that. Do down. I have to do it? Do I have to pick up these expectations because that's what when people look at me, that's what's expected of me or assumed of me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's a difference there. So. I think it shows internalized homophobia shows up for me in that way. And also I think that, um, I think I have internalized homophobia when it comes to talk about, like when you're thinking about sex and penetration, I think there's internal internalized homophobia there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's about power and it's about control. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, it shows up there too. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being honest. Yeah. Always. And there's like layers of it. Oh, so many layers. So many layers. Growing up, like 
I was, I think I've always been queer. <laughs> so that will start there. I think I've always been queer. But what I would used to say was, I used to say stuff like, um, people would like say, you sure you're not gay? And I'd be like, I'm straighter than a pencil. Um, I go take your boyfriend and give him back right now. Like, <laughs> like I think that's how intern. Like it's been a, it's internalized homophobia has been around me for a while. Mm. When did you have an awareness? Awareness of homophobia. I was no no awareness that you that identify as queer. queer. Oh shit! Second grade. Listen. Yeah. So <laughs> I have I got my braids to the back. I looked like people told me I looked like Lil Zane, and I was geeked about it. <laughs> And so then um, one day I was on the playground with these girls. <laughs> it was like four of them lined up, <laughs> sitting down. And I flashed them <laughs> to show them my six pack. And they were like, you a girl, you're not supposed to do that. And like, I think in that moment, I was like, damn, <laughs> wait, but I like y'all. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know I mean, like that. Um, and I had a girlfriend in fourth grade that I never told nobody about. So I've been, yeah. yeah, I had a girlfriend in fourth grade. She used to sing to me on the phone. It was nice. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've been I think I knew I was queer for a long time, but I didn't want to like actually like own it. Um just because of the way my family was and how I was talked to about being uh queer because I was always a tomboy. So I always mm. want to wear like boy clothes mm -hmm. and I didn't like doing my hair, even though I love brushing my hair and taking care of it now, which is a dramatic difference. But when I had long hair, I hated it. I didn't like shirts that were like frilly and stuff like that it would like right. like drastically like change my mood um and so because of the way my family tried to like force me into femininity and take me away for, and take me away from masculinity or anything that looked like I was deviating towards um deviating towards um like women or being sexually attracted to mm -hmm. women and so yeah I think that that impacted how how long it took me to be like yo like I like girls and I'm going to cut my hair off and I don't want to shop in this section of the store no more because I don't like the way the pants fit. So I'm going to go over here. Right. Um, How old were you when you finally had the 19 presence of self to say 19, that? 19. I got bold enough to go outside and scream through a megaphone. And I was like, you need to accept me for who I am and my humanity yelling at the police. And I'm like, finally talking to myself. I'm like, damn, dude, you need to listen to yourself. And one day um, I left class early and I went and cut my hair off. and. Yep, I've been I've been rocking, I've been living the best dyke life ever since. So <laughs> yep. I'm happy for you. I've seen I've seen you grow in your sense of self. Yes, you have. And, <laughs> uh and it, yeah, just to be to to live your best life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Any advice that you'd give your younger self? Yeah, yeah. Come out. Tell Shorty you like her. Them letters you writing down in your journal. Yeah, call her and tell her that. Um, for sure. I think had I been, um, I had a cousin who was queer, who I just lived vicariously through. She was older than me, but she was always queer. Um, she, she always messed with girls. And she would call me and tell me about all these experiences. I'm like, oh, that sounds tight as hell. Like, um, and I'm like, like she knew, I don't know, whatever. And so um, I would just tell people to be themselves. Like, when you feel something is different or you want to do something different, like, don't listen to that and do it. Like for real, I tell people if you like, if you want to cut your hair off when you was little, tell your mama you want to cut your hair off. Like, go get a lining. <laughs> I think I sat around with long hair for so long, cried getting my hair done, and then like my mama could have just cut my hair off, and she says it now. She was like, I wish I would have just cut your hair off earlier so you would take care of it. Yeah, I wish you would let me too. Like, <laughs> I wish you would let me be myself younger. And so I know that's hard. 
because you have parents who like tell you they want you to grow up. They want they want you to do what's best for you. And like being queer is not is not what parents see as best for some of their kids. And so like I say go against that. And that's hard, but I say do it anyway. And what about those parents? How could they best support kids, your younger you? What would what did you want your mom to do? What did you want the adults in your life to do to support you in in being who they, you are? I didn't even need a conversation. I didn't need there to be me telling you who I am. I just needed like when we go to the store, you don't tell me that like you have to get all these girl things and you can get like one thing that you want, which would be from the boy section. Like you see what's going on. You know, I was like, I would say pay attention. Um, them your kids, pay attention. Like it's there. And when they start to do things differently that's outside of like our gender norms and what's normal, let them. And let them come to you with questions and be able to ask you and, and do your research so you know how to answer them, you know? And I think like, I think what happens is people want to, like they don't want to see that happening. And so they just ignore it. They don't want to see that like something different is happening with your child. They're de- something like something's going on, like, and you should talk to them. Cause it, it wasn't just that like, I was just more masculine. And I want to play basketball. It was, it was little things. My mood, like I would cry about putting on girl, like that means something. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't want to get dressed. It's not that I'm like, I'm being, I'm making us run late on purpose. Cause I'm being a child. It's cause I like, I got anxiety about putting these clothes on. Well, talk to me about why that is versus like, I'm getting in trouble cause I'm not ready to go. And so like, I ask parents to pay attention, be patient, and to do research and kind of like, you have to normalize it within yourself in order for you to normalize it with your kids. Mm-hmm. Like, if it ain't normal for you, it definitely ain't going to be normal for you when you talk to your kids. So you have to like do that work to make it normal. And that's by reading and that's by watching shows. And that's by like, even if it's uncomfortable and it's different, it's like, oh, like people just really live like these, like people, this is how people live. Got it. Cool. And then you talk to your kids about that and it's easier. And so, yeah, I just tell parents to like, most importantly, be accepting because they're your kids. Yeah. <laughs> if it were only that easy. Yeah. Right. No, it's it's definitely not that easy, but I think like that's- Well, the, but it is in the essence it, of it, it right? Because it's really that are, simple. It is that simple. And people want to know, not. yeah, what do I do? What do I do? And it sounds like, I mean, you've given us a lot of advice around what you could say around homophobia and point out the links between- homophobia, heteronormativity, and heterosexism. But when it comes to accepting and loving people, it's not about doing a whole bunch of stuff. No, it's just it's simply not. about being. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And letting them like, I don't know, not having any control on how your child like develops from that point because you don't know. You really learn it from them. You really become the you really become the student at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think I, sometimes parents may forget that too. Yeah. That like this person is really teaching me something. This little person is also teaching me something. And so allowing them to take the reins sometimes too is is a good thing. Letting them lead you in the store where they want to go for their clothes or what they want to get in for their toys, um, what they're putting on their wish list for Christmas and telling Santa they want, you know? Like I think stuff like that is important. Little things like that. Yeah. Um, and that's work for us as adults to do too, because we've been so socialized in this oh, yeah. binary around gender and sexual orientation, and they're both on a spectrum. So you have given us a lot to think about and uh, a lot to digest. And I appreciate your candor and your honesty and your willingness to talk. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could talk for so much longer. We could talk for so much longer. <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining me in Raising Equity. Thank you for and having me. And you are welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.